Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into the Marvel Cinematic Universe in today's episode. What's this? What's this? The simply sensational standing ovation of Royal Dalton Musical! What is this? This is where you wanna be! What is this? It's been about six months since the last Marvel movie came out, and it's taken this long to get to a point where felt like we I could record this episode, uh, which is fine. Uh, we still have a couple of months before the next Marvel movie came out, which was kind of the deadline, uh, soft as it was. Uh, but so yeah, um, we're gonna me and my partner here my my guest host my my meg <laughs> hi yeah yeah we're gonna go through <laughs> all the marvel films that have come out yes that are part of the marvel cinematic universe the delay may mostly be my fault and by mostly i mean completely yes that's okay <laughs> i'm very we, good at procrastinating we are very forgiving here uh and then when we get to the end we will rank the movies yes each independently out of all of them against each other and also we have attributed scores well i have attributed scores out of 100 to every movie i've ever seen as i have want to do and you have also taken the liberty to do that yes i felt as though it was required (laughs) (laughs) It, it, it was not but i do appreciate the effort okay so first thing first you, as of a little over a year ago, had not seen any of the Marvel movies. Correct. We started watching in, I think, fallish of 2018. Yeah, like fall or around this time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know we were watching them around New Year's last year. Mm-hmm. And so tell me about that. So I had not seen any of the Marvel movies mm-hmm. at all. Um, I'd seen a couple of the old Spider-Man movies in high school. Was not a fan. Did not enjoy them. Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. Yeah, Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. Yep. Not into it. Um, So yeah, I'd heard that they were good. I just hadn't seen any of them. Um, My ex would not watch any movies that did not involve mobsters or snowboards, which kind of limited the scope of what we watched. So we therefore watched nothing generally um and then i found you who watches everything so the exact opposite and so i wanted to watch them we were planning on going to see captain marvel Mm -hmm. and so our goal was to go through all of the movies in chronological order kind of sort of sort of before that came out the challenge being that we were not living together at the time. Nope. I had to go through tax season at the time where I was working like 60 hours a week, seven days a week mm-hmm. for like four months from basically January till April. Yep. Yep. So, yeah. It was a challenge. It was a challenge. We crammed them in. There yep. were some that like after the beginning, I was sort of after the first few, I was like, I, I don't want to watch these. 
I was told these were good. I have been tricked. Yeah. <laughs> there are some, some bad ones. There are some bad ones. Yeah. Yeah. Because I know when, like I said, we were watching in January at, over during New Year's. Uh, and Captain Marvel didn't come out until, what, the end of February, early March? Um, it came out March 8th. Yeah. I think. So, you would think two months would be long enough. Uh, and we were already a couple movies deep by that point, if not ten movies, half, almost halfway through. And uh, it still almost wasn't, because I know that we didn't finish Infinity War until we arrived at the theater. I was watching The Marvel. End, which I will discuss more when we get to that movie. Mm-hmm. But we, I think we were basically, you were holding your laptop in the car while I was driving to the mall to yes, watch the movie. Absolutely. So we finished in the exactly parking lot in time. as we pulled up. Which, if anybody knows me, is exactly how most things I do end up. Yeah. I'm never, I'm never late. <laughs> However, I'm also not usually early. <laughs> yes. I think we got there. We rushed into the theater, <laughs> uh, missed some of the trailers. If not all of the trailers. Most of the trailers, probably. I think most of them. I yeah. don't think... We didn't miss the beginning of the movie or anything. No, no, no. But, uh, yeah. It was an ordeal. <laughs> um, which is very different, because now I had already seen all of the Marvel movies multiple times at this point. I watched Iron Man when it first came out. I think I saw it in theaters. Not opening night, but... I mean, it wasn't a big deal back then. Other than it made a bunch of money. And uh, I'm pretty sure I didn't see Hulk until it came out on video, because I wasn't, good choice. Yeah, I wasn't very interested in that one. Having seen the f- previous Hulk movie with Eric Bana, which was also not super great either. <laughs> I'm glad I did not have to watch that one. No, not part of the MCU. Uh, so, but I then I remember you know in college when Thor came out, which was I think. Um, original Thor? Yeah. 2011? Yeah. 2011? I remember looking at Rotten Tomatoes when that movie came out and seeing it get good reviews, which blew my mind. I didn't expect that to do well either. And, you know, suddenly I remember seeing Captain, um, the first Captain America in theaters, and and then there was the Avengers, which was just... At the time, for me, as not really a comic fan so much, I didn't read them, I, you know, but like just the, the idea of it, the, the scope of it, the feasibility that it, it was a thing was just mind-blowing to me at the time, <laughs> in a sense. And so I, you know, I had at that point it was 2012 and I had already had my spreadsheet, I was already tracking all the movies I watched, and so... I couldn't really skip any. Even if I wanted to, I couldn't skip any. And I think when Age of Ultron came out, I rewatched all the previous movies. When Civil War came out, I rewatched all the previous movies. When Infinity War came out, I think I rewatched all the previous movies. And then we rewatched them all again uh, right before Captain Marvel. Does this mean we have to rewatch them all for Black Widow? No. Oh, okay, great. No. But, if, <laughs> but perhaps there's, say, an Avengers movie in the future, which I, I guess there would be. Maybe. Uh, I might rewatch a handful of them again. Probably not all of them. I think I'm past that point now. Yes. But yeah, I, I yeah, we'll see. 
Okay. So we're going to go through every movie, release order, earliest to latest, and just, uh, I don't know, just give, a, give them a, give them a look-see, a thought experiment process explanation. Complaints. Words. Complaints. <laughs> Praise and complaints, mostly. Uh, so I guess that means we'll start with Iron Man. Yeah. Uh, May 2nd, 2008. So almost 12 years ago at this point, which still feels, I don't know, it, it's it's simultaneously, I, I guess you didn't see it when it came out, but even, but for me, it feels like I watched it a lifetime ago relative to like the, where the characters are now and what happened to them and everything that's happened since. Right. Directed by Jon Favreau, starring the indemnable Robert Downey Jr., who wasn't even like a big name at the point. He had, you know, had his troubles in the mid-aughts, and uh, this was huge for him. Yeah. I think I remember when they announced it, and I was like, Robert Downey Jr., why are they doing this? Like, Robert Downey Jr. is an action star. Uh, it, it, even, oh. it doesn't, it doesn't feel right now. Oh, he's still a thing? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, which is interesting, because he's got a new movie coming out this weekend. Yeah. Doolittle. Yeah. Isn't that exciting? No. 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 Uh, yeah. So, Iron Man. The first, the introduction to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, even though we didn't fully appreciate that it was going to be a Marvel Cinematic Universe at this time. Um, what did you like about it? What did I like about it? So, eh, this one was alright. I like, I like Robert Downey Jr. and I like the character of Iron Man. I like, the, I liked him more as the movie's progressed and as he progressed than from the original movie i also as i was going through and like rethinking about all the movies and how i felt about them and rereading summaries there are certain i guess the sub movies of the avengers like there's the iron mans and the thors and the spider mans and the captain americas iron man's probably my least favorite by himself I really like him most when he's interacting, I think, with the other Avengers characters. Especially at the beginning, I feel like Pepper, eh, she was there. Didn't really do anything useful. Nothing mm. more productive, really, than being the, like, female romantic interest in the movie. Mm -hmm. I still remember, I think it was this one where she had to, like, reach in his chest to, like, yes. turn back on the that was this one. reactor thing. She's like, oh, oh my god. Oh my god. Like, freaking out while she does it. And I'm like... What? Uh, to be fair, she she could have killed him, uh, yeah. or at least she believed she could have killed him. I think he was joking with her a little bit, but but still, she didn't really have anything to do. Productive, productively, perhaps, perhaps she she's not the most well written character in this. No, as it went on, in these movies, she got a little bit more going mm -hmm. on. But, but yeah, the first movie. Mm. Yeah, you asked me what I liked. I'm most. I know. I was complain. just about to say, like, yeah. so that's what you liked. <laughs> I liked Robert Downey Jr. What did you think of the villain? Uh, 
That was another... I liked... Who played the villain? Um, I know it was his, like, partner. His business partner. Uh, his name escapes me for a moment. Uh, Jeff Bridges. As Obadiah Stane. So I liked him... But another thing I don't necessarily like about the Iron Man movies is very much about, like, oh, I'm selling these weapons and bad guys are getting them. And I didn't really like that plot. Why? Uh, it just seemed, I don't know. The, most of this movie, I felt like, was kind of generic. There wasn't really anything that struck my fancy about it. Particularly good. Particularly bad. It was fine. It was fine. Yeah. I thought Jeff Bridges was fine. But it's very much like a... Oh, I'm greedy, and <laughs> I do all the stuff, and I'm so rich, and I'm so fancy, and da 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 And he's like, oh my god, something bad is happening, and I helped cause it. Don't want to do the bad anymore. And his greedy business partner's like, I want to do the bad still. So, yeah, it just felt very... I think, like, the plot of the first couple Iron Mans was not of interest to me, particularly. Now, the most important question... About the first Iron Man, is what did you think of Terrence Howard? I hated him. I'm so glad. <laughs> I do not like Terrence Howard in the first place. Okay. I love Don Cheadle. He's great. So it's not even like remotely comparable. It was, was, it was a huge upgrade. I my very first note is I'm glad they recast Rhodes, Don Cheadle, Brody. greater than sign Terrence Howard. It's true. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even think I remember Terrence <laughs> Howard. I think when he came on the screen, I'm like... Yeah. I don't even remember when I noticed that... I don't know if I had known ahead of time that he had been recast. Mm. Or if I noticed when we got to Iron Man 2 and I was like, oh my god, this is so much better. Where did Don Cheadle come from? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. No, not... I don't like Terrence Howard. The only Terrence Howard scene that, I, that sticks with me at all is when Tony's in the suit mm-hmm. and he is interacting with those two, like, fighter jets. Mm-hmm. And he calls Terrence Howard, who's, like, at the base. Right. I, that's the, That conversation mm-hmm. is the only thing I really remember about Terrence Howard. I remember nothing. Yeah. Well, Though, it's probably better that way. Yeah. Though, to be fair, I don't remember... I didn't remember half of anything that happened. <laughs> I was trying to go back and look everything up. But no. Don Cheadle is very much more, I think, naturally charming. He is. And likable than Terrence Howard is. Mm-hmm. So... Well, so for me, I really like Iron Man. Oh, do you? The first movie, specifically. <laughs> I think a lot of times, and, and this will become more apparent as we get through some of the later movies, but there's, every time now a new one comes out, a, there's a lot of criticism about it just following the formula that all the other movies have followed. And this is the one that didn't follow a formula because it was the first one. And I think it really sets... This sets up this skeleton that the future movies follow. For, in general, worse, I think. I think it, it's detrimental to the rest of the franchise that so many of them try to replicate things that are done in this movie. Uh, predominantly, the villain is just a giant Iron Man. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. He's just slightly more stronger, slower Iron Man. And... You know, even as recently as Black Panther, the villain in Black Panther is basically Black Panther. You know, he's just fighting himself. And I like, and I think thematically that works sometimes. But 
I hate that that's a that it's a thing that we see in so many of the movies. Robert Downey Jr. is great. I think I like Pepper a little bit more than you do, but I agree. She's. Mm. I like, like I said, I liked her more as it progressed in this movie, and she was fine. I yeah. didn't dislike her. I disliked that she didn't. I liked, serve a purpose. I felt like. I liked that at least in this one. Yes, she's the romantic interest in the movie, but I still felt like her role opposite Tony was not... It wasn't like they were just, like, flirting the whole movie, you know? Like, she was still absolutely presented as, like, a businesswoman. She was still involved in that side of Stark Industries and whatnot. Whereas a lesser movie might have just made her a reporter that's, like, hanging around in, like her underwear all the time right and there's one thing i liked about her is that she at least from that side well she didn't really have a lot to do in this movie kind of her her main thing is basically running tony's business while he gallivants gallivants around (laughs) drinking and doing whatever (laughs) right so uh i liked i liked the weapons angle i think it's unfortunately it's like almost the same as Batman begins with Batman where he realizes what his company is doing and he's like, "Oh, this is bad for people. I should change it a little." And and it's a little different the path that each of the, that Batman and Tony Stark take to get to those points, to those revelations, but you know, the sort of I don't know, he's he's the epitome of a scoundrel with a heart of gold type character. And almost literally in, you know, his heart is powering the suit. Um, It is the energy source. And I thought of all the things like Robert Downey Jr., you know, he goes from right before he's kidnapped. He's like taking pictures with the guys in the RV. He, or Humvees rather. He's, you know, showing off these weapons of mass destruction like it's, a carnival and the next scene it's a little hokey but the next scene when he's back to being able to have any agency whatsoever he's building those same types of weapons for the opposite reasons not to sell them but to hurt the people who are using his weapons without his permission and tying Obadiah into that as like he's the one facilitating all of this and you know I like I just I liked the way that the story plays out and, and sets him up that way, personally. I like it a lot. <laughs> that is fine. Yeah. Is it? I didn't care. <laughs> Fair. Uh, which is, and I think for you, what, and I wonder how this will impact the other movies as we get to them, but when we watched it, we watched a super cut of the cinematic universe rearranged chronologically. So you didn't watch this movie first. Oh, yes, right. So So. we watched all the, like, flashback scenes. We watched Captain America's movie first Mm -hmm. because it takes place in the past. Uh, And then I think this movie as its own after that. Yes. There may have been other stuff in there, too. but Right. So I'm, I'm interested to see how that colors your opinion of other the other movies. Yeah, because I think that was the challenge of some of this when I was trying to figure <laughs> out what I liked and what I didn't like was half the time I didn't know what movie was happening. Yes. It at least got be- it got better 
the more it went on because then more of it was all happening at once mm-hmm. or maybe like a half of a movie and then a half of a different one then back and forth i think especially the f- first few i feel like it yeah. kind of cut up a lot more into like little which, pieces which is you know a blessing and a curse because i think a lot of the early movies are weaker especially the one we're going to talk about next is one of the worst if not the worst movie uh and and getting that while intercut between thor and captain or and um like iron man maybe even iron man 2 maybe uh helps lessen how bad it is (laughs) because you're only seeing it in like 15 minute chunks i don't know we'll see i remember there were certain times knowing my attention span that you were like you don't need to pay attention to this part that much (laughs) I was like, okay, great. Yeah. Uh. Well, we had to get through it somehow. Yeah. Power through. Okay. So that's Iron Man. Little little mixed mixed opinions. Yeah. One thing I was going to say. Oh, yep. Before we move on. I was impressed with the foresight that they had with setting stuff up from each movie to the next, to the next, to the next, to like... Because you figure there's 23 movies at this point. Yep. And all of them pretty well intertwined together. For the there's most not part. a ton of stuff where something gets dropped or forgotten about or does not match up. Because when I was going back through um, the summaries for the movies, so I could try to remember what happened to do mm-hmm. this, was like they introduced Agent Coulson and like Nick Fury and mentioned the Avengers and mentioned things like even just from this movie. Yeah. So I. Yeah. It, as I went back through and looked at it like the way they like put in little things in like the end credit scenes or like at the end of each movie was very impressed me a lot that they had the thought to think ahead like 10 steps like <laughs> okay we're gonna get to this eventually we're gonna start bringing it up now yeah we gotta lay the groundwork yeah you know it's it's amazing what a franchise can do when they plan out the movies to come after it yeah I kept comparing this to Star Wars and that saga, now that Rise of Skywalker has come out, and, like, how well this all went together, and how well it was set up, and how mm. well I feel like, kind of like I mentioned with the sub-movies, like, Guardians of the Galaxy feel feels different than, like, the Captain America's. Like, they just sort of have their own vibe, but they all go together. Yeah. It's, it's nice. Yeah. It's very nice compared to the Star Wars movies. Yeah. Yeah. So. so, second movie yeah. came out the same year, just a, a, a month later, even. Um, yeah, I was surprised how close they were together. Yes. So June 13th, 20, 2008, we get The Incredible Hulk. From, was he? From, from <laughs> Louis Leterrier, uh, starring, at the time now, Edward Norton as the Hulk. Edward Norton, the Terrence Howard of Incredible Hulk. Uh, Well, I mean, that's the thing. Like, this is easily, like, the forgotten, kicked-aside stepchild of the MCU. The only carryover, besides the character of the Hulk, who is played by a different person, is, um... Fucking uh, Thunderbolt Ross. (laughs) William Hurt. William Hurt. (laughs) For no reason, really. uh, Other than just to kind of give us a familiar face in, in the army scenes anytime we have to like commune with the the army so but one thing and and i won't say that like the movie has gotten better upon reflection at all 
ever t- every time like the like five or six times I've seen it now. But like you mentioned with how setting the groundwork, you know, it doesn't feel like this movie does any groundwork for the future ones, but I think it absolutely does. And we watched so we watched like a 15 minute supercut to refresh us on kind of the path of the movies, the saga before we recorded this. And during the Hulk part of that supercut, they mention there's a huge like this this whatever Bruce Banner was working on is a is related to the super serum that was given to Captain America. And at the time of this movie, that movie hadn't come out yet. Right. You know, like it wouldn't come out for another three years. So yes, I I'll go first here. I think it's pretty awful. <laughs> I think it is it absolutely belongs in the bottom tier of Marvel movies. And I don't think it's I think there's only like one or two movies that can even come close. I think it just it does the soup the Iron Man thing where the enemy of the Hulk is a bigger, stronger Hulk in the Tim Roth character as the Abomination. Terrible name. Better than Thunderbolt. Is it? Is it? I don't know. Mm-hmm. It also has the worst romantic possible <laughs> partner in any of these movies. Uh, not in not only in how she's written, which is I think very poor, but also in the fact that they cast Liv Tyler, who neither of us like no. that much. She seems like a very nice person. I'm sure she's she, lovely. She's like the human equivalent to me of khakis. <laughs> just bland. Like, she just has, like, no emotion. Didn't Was this the movie where I kept making fun of her because she kept no. talking and whispering? No. That was a different movie. Oh. Mm. But, I mean, you might have. Yeah, probably. Because sure. she only talks in whispers. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Not she good. yells in whispers. <laughs> somehow. <laughs> um, it's, it's almost impressive. Uh... So, yeah, the, I guess, I don't know. I don't want to, like, spend too much time on this movie because I don't think it earns, earns that right. <laughs> but it is still, you know, it had it, it, it as the second movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So Iron Man had the, the weight put on it of you have to be the first one. You have to get the ball rolling. But what I think the pressure on this movie and you really only see that pressure in the end credit scene when Tony Stark shows up is now it's connected right and i think it and even and it's done in a way that like we never seen that before you know and like you didn't have that experience watching them the way we did but i think it does does do a good thing in that sense yeah. i liked that part of it yeah if I can praise it for anything. <laughs> um, do you have anything else? Really didn't like Edward Norton. Yeah. Glad he got recast. Why? I think Ed Nor- Norton plays a much better bad guy. Okay. In many of the movies I've seen where he's a bad guy, I much prefer him. And mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of time that's kind of like usually what he does. And I think he does a much better job of that. I just didn't find him believable as the Hulk. Okay at all i think mark ruffalo which is is much more which is really strange to me like i'm not a huge mark ruffalo fan but like i like him now and then 
And if you put, if you asked me, just like looking at them, who would be a better Hulk, I would probably guess Norton without having seen their performances. Not that I can like erase them out of my mind exactly, but yeah. like I feel like Norton has the ability to be more physical than Ruffalo. Ruffalo feels like a very a much more dramatic actor, more speaking dramatic type of person. Whereas I can like I saw American History X. Like, yes. If he's channeling that part of him through the anger, through the rage for for Norton, like I can totally see him pulling off the Hulk that way. And like I don't have that experience with Ruffalo. But maybe that's why it works so much better. Yeah. And I think my experience is I don't recall I might have seen Mark Ruffalo in something before I saw him in the Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. But if I did, I don't remember. So, like, I had a very blank slate for Mark okay. Ruffalo. Whereas Edward Norton, I'd seen plenty of movies that he's been in. Okay. So I had a much more specific idea of what Edward Norton brings to the table. Yeah. To me, it was not hulky. But, yeah. Mm. Fun fucking Thunderbolt. Thunderbolt Ross. Yeah. Fuck that guy. Thaddeus is his actual first Sure name. it is. Just gonna call um, him Thunderbolt. I did like Tim Roth. I like Tim Roth. Really? I like Tim Roth a lot in general. Why? Yes. Why here though, specifically? Um, I feel like he was more. I engaged more with him. He drew. He drew my attention much more than anything Edward Norton did. I think he does have a good like. I mean, his entire character is like he sees the Hulk and he's like, "I want that," basically, and he gets it, mm-hmm. for better or worse, uh, in what he turns into. And I guess also, I liked—I was familiar with Tim Roth going to this from a lot of the Tarantino movies mm-hmm. that I used to see. Like, I liked him in Four Rooms, sure, um, Reservoir Dogs, all that. So I liked him anyway. Yeah. I feel like I don't know—he just has kind of an energy and a vibe when he acts that appeals to me more and interests me more than Edward Norton. Edward. Uh, yeah. uh, Ty Burrell's in this movie. He was, yeah. Uh, he as was well fine. as Tim Blake Nelson. Those are big names. Yeah. Who's the second guy? Uh, you should know. Tim. This guy? Uh, no. He's in Just Mercy, which is out this weekend. Well, last you- weekend. You went to see that today, and I did not. Well, I was I'm at just, work. <laughs> I'm just saying. I've seen him in countless movies. Yeah, he looks vaguely familiar. Um, I'm most familiar with him from Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Haven't seen that. Haven't uh, seen Holes. Haven't seen Syriana. Uh, haven't seen Lincoln. Haven't seen The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. I have no idea who this guy is. Great. Okay, cool. <laughs> we'll move on. Um, cool. <laughs> so, The Incredible Hulk. We both do not like it. No. Big thumbs down. Big thumbs down. Um, so I always, it's always surprises me every time I look back and see that the third Marvel movie was Iron Man 2. Yeah, when I was going back through in front of the order, I was like, <laughs> what's next, Thor? Thor's probably next. Yeah. And then I was like, no, wait, there's another Iron Man stuck in here. Yeah. I knew, I, I, I remember it comes before the first Avengers, it's the only sequel that happens before Avengers, but I just, it does not, it just feels like a lot so fast of Iron Man. But yeah. then you think, well, it's two years later. The timeline was much more spread out back then. So I have to ask, did it get spread out because the Hulk was so fucking terrible? Or was that, like, the plan? I was I... wondering that myself when I saw, like, kind of the gap between Hulk and Iron Man 2. Well, 
I can't give you an honest answer. I don't know the answer to this question. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm not sure about that. But I'm sure if I spent, you know, 20 minutes looking at the production notes on the, like, five movies before Avengers, I could kind of give it a little more find some sort of clue as to whether or not, you know, was this the third movie that went into production? Was it into production after or before this, the Captain Marvel? Just to interrupt reading over your shoulder at the Wikipedia page you have pulled up. Yeah. Immediately following Iron Man's release, Marvel Studios announced that they were developing a sequel with an intended release day of April 30th, 2010. Yeah. So I guess, yeah, must be that's what they planned. Yeah. I think... I, I would guess that the success of Iron Man was far above what they thought it was going to be. It was incredibly financially successful and it you know it just I remember being I was in I was a senior in high school or no, I couldn't have been. I was a <laughs> I was a junior in high school when it came out and it was just before it came out like towards the end of that year. And my calculus teacher had decided, so my grade had like, he wanted, he would normally do classes of like 20 and he had like 27, 28 kids who wanted to be in the calculus that from our grade. And so they gave him the option of doing one giant class or making it two really smaller classes. And he chose that one. And so, like, it's like a dozen of us and him, and he didn't have a lesson plan one day, for whatever reason, and he just, he went online to, like, some illegal streaming service <laughs> and found Iron Man. And we watched Iron Man, like, a month after it came out in theaters, which, it was it was a big thing, you know? It was such a huge deal then. Uh, so, I don't know if that means that they were planning to do the second one from the get-go that quick, but I think that the success of the first one definitely accelerated things for them in some fashion. That makes sense. I think so. So, Iron Man 2. It's the third movie of the MCU. You go back to Tony Stark, mm-hmm. Pepper Potts, yep. Happy Hogan, Jean Favreau. I love him. Yes, we didn't even talk about him in the first one. No, but I feel like he wasn't. He was in the first one a little bit, but I don't. He gets more to do in this. Yeah. Uh, because we get introduced to a lot of things in this movie. Yes. We get Black Widow, Scarlett Johansson for the first time. Woo. Don Cheadle yes. takes over as Rhodes. Uh, and we get a couple of villains in Sam Rockwell as Justin Hammer. <laughs> <laughs> what? That's just a stupid name. It sounds like a porn star name. <laughs> Justin Hammer. Justin Hammer. And uh, Mickey Rourke as the the... the Whiplash or Ivan Benko. Benko. Um. So uh, yeah, what do you? Uh, what are you thinking? I'm doing a Google. Okay, I will start if you'd like. I was trying to see if there was an actual <laughs> porn star named Justin Hammer. I uh, doubt it. Doesn't look like it. No. Disappointing. Somebody. Somebody out there. They're going to listen to this and they're going to be like, all right, great. That's a good idea. It is, though. It, J- Justin five, Hammer. Five years from now, we'll be on Pornhub. I'm going to fucking sue Justin, whoever does this. Justin Hammer, ex 
you know, famous female porn star at the time. Yeah. Uh, whatever. Make, make sure you call us first. Set us up with some royalties and everything Perfect. will be fine. I'm copywriting it right now. Uh, so, beyond that, Rhodes, who really was just a guy in a suit in the first movie, is now a guy in a super suit when he becomes War Machine. Yeah. Because Justin Hammer, in his intelligent decision making, <laughs> has decided the world needs hundreds of Iron Men. Sure. Uh, that's a great idea. No. It's not, is it? Why not? Uh, it went pretty good in the movie. Did it? Did it? No. No. Uh, so I will say, my big, the biggest thing I dislike about this movie is that it is very incoherent. You have yeah, two different villains who don't really interact with each other and both want different things and are working against each other but are supposed to be together. You've got... Rhodes in War Machine, who's like, cool, he's War Machine now, and he's still buddy with Tony, but he's working with Hammer, and... Well, that's because like, he got mad at Tony. But it just, it's a lot. It is a lot, and it that doesn't even, doesn't even begin to mention everything involving Happy Hogan, who's with Natasha Romanoff, anything that involves Pepper. You've got uh, Whiplash doing his weirdo thing. <laughs> it's, it's so much. This movie is so many things, and it's, yeah. it's a little... It's got a little Spider-Man 3 going on with too many villains and it doesn't know what it's trying to do. Yeah, there's a lot going on. It's, it's not great. No. What did right. you like about it, though? I liked the introduction to Natasha. Yes. I like Black Widow. Really like Scarlett Johansson. She's great. So that was a good... I approve of this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we already discussed the massive upgrade to my guy Don Cheadle. <laughs> of course. Of course. Mm-hmm. He was good. Also, John Favreau is happy. Love happy. He's probably one of my favorite like minor side characters. I always like John Favreau though. Everything he does, basically. He's he's a lot of fun. He's, he's just a really good guy. Yeah, good guy. I enjoy him. Yeah. Um. So I like that. Um. I liked the fight sequence when War Machine was in his suit and Banco had control of it. Oh yes. So that yeah. is good stuff. I did enjoy that. I like Banco Mickey Works character more as a hacker type villain, like in that sense, than I do as like a guy wielding, for whatever reason, a whip that is electrically charged or whatever it might actually yeah. be. First of all, because what was it? Tony was driving in the race. Like, he, yeah, I don't. So it's supposed to be race. like the fucking Grand Prix of Monaco or something. First of all, you're not Monaco getting Monaco Historic Grand Prix. Yeah, yeah, you're not getting in that race, Tony Stark. Nice try. <laughs> so that's happening, and in my head I'm like, okay, sure. Because you're a big race aficionado. Yeah, I enjoy the say. race balls. Yeah. Granted, I don't, you know, I don't necessarily follow uh, Formula One a mm. lot, but, uh, yeah. I guess it's, like, I just don't see, like, Tony Stark being like, I'm going to go drive around Monaco in this race. And everybody's like, okay, sure. And then, of all things, Mickey Rourke and his fucking electric whip just comes strolling out mm. of the stands onto the racetrack. And it's like, I'm just going to start whipping. No security. Or we don't even see him, like, break through security. Nope, just walks out. Just, uh, just there. Yeah. Yeah, just starts whipping at the cars. 
Throwing Slicing stuff them in half? Yeah. It's, That's uh... fine. Now, I'm sure that being legitimate and accurate and feasible is not necessarily <laughs> something that takes place a lot in superhero comic book movies, but... I mean, just wait till we get later on. Yeah. Like, you could, you could try a little harder, Iron Man 2. I think... And, like, this is a point... And I, I don't want to, like, constantly go back to Star Wars in comparisons, but, you know, a lot of the things in Star Wars are outlandish, looking around the world today. But I think, you know, a movie, and, and in this case, franchises, have set up their own logic, set up their own rules, and... This being so early in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it hadn't had enough time to really establish what those are. Like, I think we obviously know Tony's incredibly rich. We know he's incredibly powerful. We know he's Iron Man. So, like, he made the Iron Man suit. He's, uh, you know, he, he, he can... He could buy whatever he wants within reason. Or without reason, really. <laughs> I, you know, who's to say, you know, we can't... We never see his bank account or anything like that. But... It does feel, I don't know if I have as much big a problem with him driving in the race as you do, but I do think it's like, well, this is a setting a precedent rather than this is based on something we know about him already. Like, we never see him do something like this in the first movie because he right. spends all of it climbing back to mm -hmm. the status he once had, basically. Yeah. And this one, he's like, okay, he's on top of the world again. Is this what he was like before the events of the first Iron Man? He was just like, I'm going to go compete in the NBA All-Star game because <laughs> I want to, you know? Like, he wears, like, extra, like two-foot heels or something to be tall enough. Or, but that's he what it feels like. He probably would just pay everybody to, like, not guard him and to, like, let him make sure. Yeah, like, that's what it feels like, almost, <laughs> in a sense. You know, we don't yeah. know that Tony's, like, a great driver. No. And I think... I would even go so far as to say it trivializes, like, what it takes to be a driver professionally like that. Like, if, if he Tony set up some sort it. of, like, Iron Man car, like, if he had a Batmobile or something. Sure. That would, I still don't know if it would make much more sense, but no. it would at least be slightly I would more. believe that he could drive it better. Exactly, yes. <laughs> I don't know that I believe he can drive a Formula One car. Yeah. When I've never seen him do it before. I don't think he ever references having done it before. I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. That's, um, I feel like we're getting hung up on this a little, <laughs> a little more than it warrants. That's what I'm here for. Yeah. Um, well, I was, <laughs> I was talking about Whiplash. Yeah. Um, what about Sam Rockwell? I like Sam Rockwell as an actor. I think yep. he's very charismatic. He's a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Uh, fun facts about Sam Rockwell. He dances in almost every movie he's in. <gasps> Except Why? Yeah, he likes, likes to dance. He's a, he likes dancing. That's exciting. Um, like Brad Pitt is eating in almost every movie <laughs> that he's in. Uh, everybody has their little tics. And he does it in this one. On the stage when he's presenting the new War Machine suit things. But I think... I feel like if Whiplash isn't in this movie, or if it's just Whiplash, if it's just one or the other, I think there's so much more you can do in this movie. Yeah, because I, I agree with you. I like Sam Rockwell in general. Yeah. And as I recall of him in this movie, I think I liked his character fine, but Mickey Rourke was like so much He's a that lot. he was almost distracting. Like Sam Rockwell, like 
he was very much overshadowed, I think. Mm-hmm. I think he I think he would have done much better as like the villain or at yeah. least had Mickey Rourke's character be like more of just your general minion. Like it's kind of like they wanted this Mickey Rourke guy who wanted revenge. Yeah. And then they had Sam Rockwell who what was he even trying to do? He's just like owns a rival company. Oh, yeah. And he hires enlists Mickey Rourke to get the uh, technology that Tony uses in his suits so that he can mass produce things like them. Yeah. But like, I don't know why he needed, I don't know why we need a Mickey Rourke character to achieve that plot. Yeah. The strings holding the two of them together are very loose. Yes. Yeah. Mickey Rourke could have just done his revenge thing by himself. Sam Rourke could have just gotten some rando computer hacker guy to be his minion. Yep. I think, yeah, the two of them, there wasn't enough space. I don't feel like for both of them. And Mickey Rourke sort of took up about 90% of the space that was available. So, in this movie, he's tattooed. Yep. Heavy Russian accent. Yep. He has a pet cockatoo. Yes. You remember that? Yep. I read uh, about it, yeah. I remember, I, just, I think he requested almost all of these yes, things. Yes, so I was just reading that at one point. He suggested the tattoos, the gold teeth, and the love for his pet cockatoo. And not only that, paid for the gold teeth. And the bird himself. Um, and he, here's his reasoning. He didn't want to play a one-dimensional bad guy. He wanted to challenge the audience to see something redeemable in his character. How did that fare with you? Not great. No? No. Anything redeemable in him? Not that I remember. No. I mean, I understand, like, you know, you're upset about whatever happened to your dad. Yeah. That's fine. Having tattoos and a cockatoo and a Russian accent and some gold teeth doesn't, doesn't really enhance that for me. No. No. Um, he's also has the hacker side of himself, you know. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know anything about computers, Mickey Rourke. Mm-hmm. And he said that being tech savvy was the most difficult part of his <laughs> performance and his role in that I, role. I believe it. I buy, I buy that. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen some pretty bad hacking in movies over the... Uh, I don't know. That... If he was, again, if he was just a hacker, I think I would have bought that. And I would right. have liked that more. If he toned it back about... Ten notches. Yeah. To zero. He was at about a ten, and I needed <laughs> about a three. Yeah. So. And even then, I think, I don't know if they would have coexisted better. Mm-hmm. I think, probably. I think they could have done more with that, but, yeah. Now this yeah. movie had a lot going on. So much. Um. Okay. So... We get to the end of Iron Man 2, uh, finally, <laughs> I guess, and uh, we haven't, again, like, we've spent two movies with Iron Man, who is admittedly the biggest character in the entire franchise, and we spent one movie with the Hulk, whose character isn't even around as he existed in that movie later on. <laughs> so even at this point, it still feels very contained. Yes. So let's open it up a little. How about it? Sure. Yeah? Yeah. Like that segue? No? <laughs> Thor. Thor is the fourth movie. Thor. Came out May 6th, 2011. So a year after the second Iron Man. Yes. And again, get. they had the forethought, we're going to stick Thor's hammer in the end credits of this movie. Yes. What is this thing? Yep. Dun, dun, dun. Something funny happened on the way to Thor's hammer. <laughs> 
And we, what I like, first off, first impression, favorite thing about Thor, maybe, uh, is Coulson. I yes. love Coulson. I love him in general. Mm-hmm. I watch the show, not all of it. I love him in the show, but he's great in the movies. Yes, I did not watch the show, so I don't have anything to compare it to. But sure. no, I did like him okay. and his character. Yeah. Yes, concur. What did you like about Thor? Give me, um, give me the rundown. Let's see. So, I like Chris Hemsworth. I did a good job. Did you? I guess again, you didn't watch it when it came out. What What are you familiar with him from? Prior to Thor. Prior to. Nothing. What else has he been in? Uh, he was in the Ghostbusters remake. Uh, yeah, I didn't. I haven't seen that. You haven't? No. No, I guess. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, he's. All right. So before Thor, he wasn't really in much. No. He's in. Yeah. So I didn't. Wouldn't have had even stuff that came out after. Like Snow White and the seen. Huntsman. I'm familiar. I was familiar with who he was. Okay. Like Rush. I oh, remember he was, in he was in that stuff. movie. Television stuff. Yeah, mm. that doesn't really ring any bells either. No. So yeah, yeah, of all the stars of the MCU, he is the most plucked out of obscurity into, you are now the face of this franchise. Yes. Of and, any of them. So and seeing, I guess, Thor, what, eight years after it came out? Yeah. At that point, obviously, I knew who Chris Hemsworth was. Right. He's a superstar now. Yes. So, but I liked him. Mm-hmm. I felt like he... Made sense as the character. He looks the part. He looks... Absolutely. Looks like a... Nordic god. Yeah. The long, blonde hair. I must say I'm glad that it eventually got cut. Slightly shorter-haired Thor is better. Yeah. I approve. Um, but I thought he was... He was good. There's parts of it where, you know, he's trying to be very serious and stomping around and whatever. And then there was the scene where they're at the bar after he comes to Earth and he's, like, drinking the beer. He's like, I like this. This is great. Yeah. I think he has a good capacity to go from, like, being really funny and, like, very, like, lighthearted to kind of being very, like, serious and stoic and I am a Nordic god. Mm-hmm. So he has that capacity. I I enjoy Thor. Yeah. I enjoy Christopher. I don't... I don't... Is his name Christopher? I don't know. That... Uh, that seems strange to me. Even if it's not, I might call him that sometimes. I, it is. Christopher. Christopher. Yeah. I guess most people, I guess could have been a Christian or a yeah. Christoph or something like that. Uh, I, you mentioned the different, the dramatic comedic balance of Thor. And I think, you know, when you watch the first Thor, it is so different from everything that takes place in the most recent Thor, Ragnarok. Yes. Both, all the characters that are in both movies are incredibly different, um, and the vibe is very different. And part of that is Taika Waititi. He got it, he's got his own style. He does his own thing. But I think you can look at it the opposite way, and like Kenneth Branagh directed the first one. Mm-hmm. He is a Shakespearean actor. Right. With a hard O in actor. Yes. And there's parts of this I can very much see. Yes. And I vibe. And I think if they really leaned into the Shakespearean elements that he brought in this movie further along, it could have worked. I don't know if it would have been as good, 
mm-hmm. as successful as what of what like Whedon starts to get his claws in Thor and Avengers and when we get the sequel which we can kind of throw away and then you know we see him again in Ultron and then finally in in Ragnarok I feel like he's finally found the niche that he really needs to fill yes personally but if in an in an alternate world where he follows that more Shakespearean and dramatic side side to him I think it it would have allowed the franchise more depth because mm-hmm. I think one of the main complaints one of the complaints not main complaints one of the complaints lobbed at Marvel is like all their characters are quip machines and it's absolutely true absolutely true see I love it it's great yeah especially when they're all together quipping back and forth at each other yes I think that's partly why I like I don't like the Iron Man movies as much as their own thing I very mm-hmm. much like Iron Man with the other characters like Robert Jr.'s great at it yes he um, works very well with all the other characters I think it gives him more yeah to do and so I love again I love what they did with they've done with Thor in the last couple of movies I still think I would have also I would have been curious about what would have happened if he had they had stayed more Shakespearean with the side of Thor that we see in this movie because I like the first Thor it's not any of my favorites yeah but I like it ish it's fine what do you think of Natalie Portman. No. Why? Um, she is an improvement on Liv Tyler. She is not Liv Tyler level. Okay. She's a little, a little feistier, which is nice. Mm-hmm. She's a scientist. Yeah. So she actually has like something going on. She's super smart, mm-hmm. except when she's backing up her car. <laughs> I mean, I'm not great at backing up my car. I haven't seen you hit anybody with that doing that though. You haven't seen it. Has it happened? I hit a human. I okay. hit another... What have I hit? I hit a building. Well, that's bigger than a human. Yeah. I've that's re- not great. <laughs> it's not great. Hit a building. Backed into a pole. Mm. Well, that's not as big as a human, width-wise. No. Taller, I guess. Yeah, a little sturdier. And, and, and it's not moving. Nope. And it was a utility pole, so outside of my apartment, so it's was there the whole time you knew it was there i knew it was there okay yeah so natalie portman natalie portman about as good of a driver as me (laughs) better scientist probably yeah probably yeah yeah um she was fine but i didn't i think it was almost worse in the next movie yes i agree um but i feel like in this one I, i didn't really feel like her and Chris Hemsworth had really great of chemistry. Did not care about, like, the two of them and their, like, thing they had going on. I would have much preferred it if he showed up on Earth, got banished here. She's all pissed off because she can't have her scientific stuff that she's been working on. Mm-hmm. And it sort of becomes like, oh, you need to go back to where you're going. I think it has to do with my science stuff. Let's combine powers. Try yeah. and figure it out. Rather than like, oh my god, you're so hot to be fair I mean, he is hot yeah but but still yeah yeah um yeah she was a big my notes say eh eh it's- what a um so in conjunction with Natalie Portman she has her intern Kat Dennings Cat oh, Dennings any thoughts on Kat Dennings 
she, she was kind of obnoxious. Little. Yeah. I feel like everything that happened in this movie got that was annoying about the characters it's got ratcheted. ratcheted up for the next one. Yeah. Yeah. What about Stellan Skarsgård? He's the main older, scientist guy. Older scientist, yeah. And he was fine. So, I think it's interesting, because Natalie Portman kind of phased herself out of these movies. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I don't know how much of that was studios not liking her, her not liking the movies, or whatnot, but that's what happened. He becomes a bigger role. He's a prominent role in Avengers. Natalie Portman, nowhere to be seen. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we even see him in other movies that aren't Thor movies. Uh, beyond that. Yeah, I think he pops up every now and then. Uh, but, you know, I. so, you know, having a bigger role, you know, I like Stellan Skarsgård, but, yeah. I mean, his character is, I just know the science. Yeah. Basically. And his, beyond that, he doesn't really have a ton going no, on. they don't give him anything to do. No, he's fine. Um, so then we have Anthony Hopkins as Odin. Yep. I think that was a great casting choice. Mm-hmm. He commands, he's a kind of, kind of a diminutive guy mm-hmm. but i totally buy that like he has the power yeah. of like thunder and everything lightning. yeah i think it was a good choice because if you have if your kids are thor yeah. who's big giant hulking muscular chris hemsworth mm-hmm. who's like i'm super awesome at everything i'm gonna be the god of the world blah blah blah. Yeah. and at the beginning especially he's very cocky oh yeah has a lot going on then you have loki who's loki adopted uh, adopted. Yeah. But he's very, like, also kind of conniving and manipulative and everything in his own way. You need somebody to be their dad who you can believe is going to be like... I take none of this shit. Yeah. You two need to fucking settle down. Yeah. <laughs> you need somebody you who, even when they're Tom Hiddleston and Chris Hemsworth, you could believe would, like, stand between them and could hold them apart. Right. And I totally believe Anthony Hopkins could do that. Yeah. Like, when they come back from the... Where did they end up going? They go to fight the Frost Giants. Yeah. So when they go over there and when they get back and Odin's basically like... What the fuck? What the fuck were you doing? Yeah. And it's just... They turn into very much like little kids at that point. Like, I I was just trying to... I didn't Uh. do anything. (laughs) He's just like... (sighs) And And that's not even to like think about... You know, obviously like he's exasperated in that moment. And then, you know, you step back and you're like... How long has this been happening? Yeah, so then you think gods, about that, like... Basically. Yeah, because in your head, you're like, okay, well, they're in, like, they're, like, 20-ish. But how how old is that in God years? Yeah. Yeah. They're, like, 200? Like, yeah. that's insane. That's so long. Yeah, imagine dealing with those two. Ugh. For that long. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't sound fun. And it sounds like they're basically kind of the same ever since they were little. Yes. Thor's like... No character growth. No. Loki's like, I just want everybody to love me. I'm going to be manipulative and do Trixie and da-da-da-da-da. And Thor's like, I'm fucking Thor. I'm so great. Never met a problem my hammer couldn't solve, basically. Yes. Justin Hammer. <laughs> um, so that brings us to Loki. Loki. What do you feel about Loki? Let's not go too deep beyond this movie, if we right. can, but Loki. So, as I said, I had not seen any of the movies. Mm-hmm. Before we watch them. Yep. But as an avid reader of BuzzFeed and such things, anytime any Marvel movie came out that involved Loki, like, all I knew was everybody's obsessed with Loki. Yeah. Every article is about, like, Loki this and Loki that, and Loki's so great, and Loki, Loki, Loki. So I was very curious about this 
Loki character. Mm-hmm. And this one, like I said, you don't want to go too far beyond it, but I feel like in this one he was fine. It was interesting to me to see the different things that he could do. Yeah. Because Chris Hemsworth's very powerful as, like, a physically mm-hmm. as a god, whereas Loki is very much, he's skinny, he's normal-sized, I yes. guess. But how much more, like, manipulative and tricksy and everything he was. So that part of it was interesting, the way he would twist things and manipulate things and manipulate people. Mm-hmm. So I liked him in that regard. I did not expect to like him going into it. I was just like, this guy looks like a toolbox. Just from the <laughs> pictures I saw, I'm like, eh. He's got like that long, stringy black hair and the yeah. green outfit and... The horns. Yeah. You know, those derpy looking horns. Yeah, they're kind of garish. Yeah. He was someone who could have used a haircut, too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, the, the god hair of Thor, the first Thor, was not... It's a little great. Um, yeah. Um, I also like two in this one. There's more about like these two characters facing off against each other. Mm-hmm. It was sort of like Loki and Thor were like the main foils to each other rather than like, you know, the Iron Man's had sort of like the outside, like selling things to terrorists and government and whatever i sort of like that this one was more condensed Mm -hmm. it was more about the two of them for for it being ultimately like a grander film comprising not just earth but going off of earth for the first time in these movies it yet somehow manages to feel smaller Mm -hmm. which is a good thing yeah um before we move on Mm-hmm. Uh, Idris Elba. He's a very small character in this movie. Yes. And he's relatively a small character in the franchise. Yes. But he does play a somewhat pivotal role throughout the Thor films as the blind but all-seeing Heimdall. Right. I believe when I first saw him, I think I was like, oh, is that Idris Elba? Yeah. And you're like, yeah, and I'm like, oh, I like him. Yeah. And then he was gone. Yeah. And I was disappointed, <laughs> I think, but... Yeah. Yes, it is a shame. Yeah, he wasn't, as like you said, throughout all of them, he wasn't a super important character, but I liked him. Pops I liked up having here and him there. around. Yeah. You've got Rene Rousseau as Thor's mom. Yep. She's kind of a non entity in this movie. Mm-hmm. She'll be more important later. Yep. And then I guess the other main element is the Warriors 3 behind Thor, which. Yes. Thor's homies. Not to continue to go back to Star Wars, but <laughs> I feel like they're very similar to the Knights of Ren. They're given a name, the Warriors mm-hmm. Three. Mm-hmm. They have a little bit of, you know, thing. They yeah. kind of look cool. They're mm-hmm. neat. And then when we we'll get to this in a future movie, but there's a scene in a future movie where they're all soundly defeated in one <laughs> fell swoop. Yes. Which is very similar to the Knights of Ren. Though in this movie, they were around quite a bit. Yeah. We got a little banter. Yeah. When they were, especially at the beginning and also once Thor goes down to Earth, those Mm -hmm. guys are still up there dealing with Loki and his shenanigans. Yes. So I feel like they... This is true. They had not a ton to do, but 
even more than like Thor's mom, Renee Russo. Yes. Even more than Idris Elba. Like they had stuff to do. I felt mm-hmm. like they at least had even if they didn't necessarily have distinct personalities, like I remember them a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Like I don't remember anything that Renee Russo did in this movie. Right. Besides trying coddle like Loki. Loki. And... Yeah. She's always always had a soft spot for Loki. Yes. Here's fun fact. Guess who was approached about playing Odin before Anthony Hopkins signed on to the role? The dad? Yeah. Although, I'm sure many people were approached, but <laughs> this one name is of particular interest because I think it's a very curious choice. Is it someone who was in any of the movies later? No. Oh? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mel Gibson. Oh, no. How, how do you think that would have gone? Not great. No? Not great, Bob. No. <laughs> no? No. I cannot picture Mel Gibson as like... I don't think I could take him seriously. Uh, yeah it, it would it would be very very weird yes anthony hopkins has a certain gravitas is that the word yes gravitas yes mel gibson does no i think he's had one scene in any movie he's ever done that he had gravitas and it's the final speech he gives in braveheart yes <laughs> he does okay there yeah that was good um but that's uh that's it so Thor. Thor. Next movie? Next movie. So, same year, a couple of months later, July 22nd, we get Captain America, the first Avenger. Getting to the good shit. (laughs) And uh, as opposed to the other movies that we've already talked about, this one takes place in the past. (laughs) The first time they do that, not the last time they do that. Correct. I, what do you think? Okay, uh, you, go. you go. You go. You sure? Yeah. Okay. Uh, my, this is, I like Captain America, First Avenger, quite a bit. Um, it is, and I'm sure we're going to get into this, the only Marvel movie so far that I have enjoyed the presence of Bucky Barnes. Bucky! You love Bucky. I don't. I really don't. <laughs> um, but, so so it has that going for it. I think the period element of the movie and the, the going back to the past, I like that. I think it succeeds. But my favorite part is Peggy Carter. She is amazing. She is better than every other romantic interest in these entire franchise. Yes, I would agree. She is a strong, powerful woman who doesn't give a shit if Steve cares, loves her or not. If I mean, she does, but like, she doesn't need him. That's not her primary objective. Yes. In the her movie. primary objective is to win the war. Yes, and she realizes more than any of these other jokers above her that Steve is going to help them win the war. And so she helps, she works with him to get there. So I love Peggy. You do love yourself a badass lady. I love the TV show that she was in, Agent Carter. I'm just a big fan. <laughs> I like Haley Atwell a lot. Yes. She's great. I enjoyed her also. Yes. Yeah. What about you? So, Captain America. 
is probably my favorite subset of the subsets. I think he's probably my favorite character. Mm-hmm. So, and lucky for you, this was, I think, the first movie we watched yes. the majority of. Because if we'd started out with Thor... Well... Well, not Thor. Iron Hulk. Man. Iron Man would have been the first. Iron Man would have not impressed me. Yeah. And Hulk, probably, I would have just been like, I'm not watching these. <laughs> but this one, I was like, oh, all right. I'm here for this. Yeah? Yes. Really, I really like Chris Evans. I don't know if I'd seen him in anything before this. He was definitely, like, a known I think entity. he was in some, like, teen, like, movies or TV shows or something. Uh, oh. Jeez. He's got his own Wikipedia page for film, for performances. Yes. So you've got... What was he? He was in TMNT. Oh. Oh, fan- that's it. Oh, Fantastic Four. Oh, yeah. yeah, he was the Human Torch. Yeah. Oops, sorry. Uh, Scott Pilgrim. The Perfect Score? Nope. Not another teen movie? Mm. Oh, man. Scroll down. Sure. Uh, yeah. A lot of, lot of Steve Rogers here. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know that I would have known him for much of anything before this anyway. But I really, really like Chris Evans. Okay. Now, from this really enjoyed Captain America. Like I liked Peggy. I like that she basically she was I don't know what her title was supposed to be. Was she supposed to be a spy? I know she was training uh, the soldiers. Let me see if it tells us. And that we see She's she... an officer with the Strategic Scientific Reserve. Um Yeah. Yeah, I like. She was like, "Hi, I'm here. I'm in charge of all you doofuses." She seemed. She seemed to have a lot of uh, a good amount of sway as to what was going on, which I enjoyed. Yes. She had her own thing going on, and Chris Evans like existing was kind of like a secondary thing. Right. Didn't like take over her whole existence. She was still like, "Gonna do my job, do my thing." Mm-hmm. We can, you know, we can have a thing. <laughs> That is secondary to me doing my job. Right. Winning the war. Yes. Um, she he, cared for him. Yes. But I don't think, except for the end of the movie, I think prior to that, she would not have thrown away her career for her relationship with him. No. I don't think so either. But she was willing to throw away her career for his help to end the war. Yes. Because that was her job. Right. Yeah. Yes. Which I like a lot. I agree. Um, I like... I tend to like movies set historically anyway. Mm-hmm. So the setting, the like World War II, I like that time period. So the setting of it being around then, I enjoy. Yeah. I was a fan of that. I very much like... I just like the vibe of this one. It was almost like... It was us. It was a superhero movie, but it was almost more... It was more realistic... Yes. I guess. Very much grounded in... Yeah. I like the idea of, like... To a degree. Yeah. <laughs> of Chris Evans, once he get, like, gets super soldiered, of him just going around, like, selling war bonds and being all, like, you know... It feels very true to what would... Yeah. You know... We have this war hero. We'll send him around to raise yeah. some money. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. Why not? What did you, How do you feel about the pre-transition 
Chris Evans when he's like Scrawny your Chris height. <laughs> yes. He weighs like 80 pounds soaking wet. Yeah. Uh, I remember when I watched it the first time being in, I was impressed by the visuals because obviously Chris Evans looks more like he looks like Captain America, not this thing. Right. Uh, but also once I realized, you know, the first scene in the movie when we see him and he's like this shrivelly guy, I'm like, okay, well, five minutes and he's going to be giant, huge guy. But it's like 30 minutes and 20 to 30 minutes into the movie before that happens. They spend right. a long time with him as this great high spirited, but yeah. medically, you know, in danger of dying to the nearest cold type type of character. Yes. Which I like. Yes. Mentally and strength of will wise, he is much more capable of things than his body yeah. allows him to do. Yes. But he's he's plucky. He's gonna keep going. <laughs> yes. Um so I talked about my dislike <laughs> for Bucky. What do you think about Bucky from this movie? So I And I, I liked him in this one. I yes. just like him after this one. Yes. So, to be clear. Yes. So, as we've noticed, I haven't seen a lot of movies in general. However, one thing I am obsessed with is Gossip Girl. And guess who was on Gossip Girl? Sebastian Stan. Sebastian Stan. So I knew him from that, and I liked him from that. And I was like, I like you, Sebastian Stan. I like you, Bucky. Yeah. I have no problem with Bucky in this movie or any of the future movies, really. Your distaste of Bucky is much more aggressive than anything I have. Yeah. I am perfectly fond of him. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, I liked... I felt like his friendship with Chris Evans' character was generally believable. Uh, small pause. Ryan is dragging the cat down who got himself stuck up on a shelf. <sighs> he is an idiot. He is an idiot. He is safe now. And yes. looks unfazed. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so I like their friendship. I like that they, you know, went through the war together. Mm -hmm. I guess their loyalty to each other. Yeah. Yeah, I liked his character fine. Like you said, he... Obviously, there's difference as the later movies go on, but in this right. in this movie, he's more just like supportive friend. Yeah, kind of like sidekick to Chris Evans, someone right. who almost seems like in the opening in the first half hour, like he should probably be the star of the movie. <laughs> yes, and Chris Evans should be the sidekick, and then it twists around twists to the around. end. One mm -hmm. thing I liked is that Sebastian Stan's character never like in some of these movies, you might be like he gets jealous or like he and Peggy try and have a thing or like something like that. Whereas in this one, it was just very, he was like, oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. He was very supportive. Yes. Which is very Their nice. Their friendship was nice. Mm hmm Yes. I did like that. Uh, we get father of Tony Stark in this movie yep. as a 20-something, 30-something yep. guy in Dominic Cooper as mm -hmm. Howard Stark, which is cool. Yeah. I like the connection there. Mm-hmm. Um, Liked him fine. Yeah. yeah. It was good stuff. I can kind of see a, a little bit of a Tony vibe. Yeah. I, I like... What I, what I like about the depiction of Howard in this movie is he's obviously, you know, 
incredibly intelligent. He knows what he's doing. He's you know miles ahead of everyone at the at, in around him, technologically speaking. But unlike, and, and and I think we watched Tony go through this in the first movie, but Howard never feel it's it's not about money for him. Mm-hmm. At, at least what we see in this movie. Now, if you watch Agent Carter, I believe. There's a whole other... There's more to him than that. He's much more of a playboy in that that series. But here it's not apparent that that's the case. And it's interesting to watch Tony go through being that sort of more of a playboy type guy and shifting toward, more towards his father in the first Iron Man. Mm-hmm. To be like, oh, I'm just... I'm about the technology. I'm about helping people. About ending this fight, this war, this whatever. Which I like. I think that's good stuff. Yep. We've also got some other small supporting characters in Neil McDonough and Derek Luke and Stanley Tucci in a variety of different roles. The three of them, I mean. Uh, but we also have a villain. Yes. Red Skull. Red Skull. Played by the wonderful Hugo Weaving. Um, so you had said... This is a very more realistic movie compared Except to the others. Except for maybe Until that Until we get to this guy. <laughs> he doesn't take off his flesh mask thing until the very end. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like, to a degree, he's the character of Red Skull or Johann Schmidt. Whose name I never would not have remembered without seeing it right in front of me. <laughs> uh is very much a caricature. Yeah. Like, there's no depth to this villain. He is a bad guy. He's... That may be one of the weakest elements of the movie. Mm-hmm. The villain is visually memorable. Visually memorable. I don't remember anything he does. Yeah. I remember... Is it... His assistant? The doctor. Um, I'm not sure why they don't elevate him to that status. Uh, I know who you mean. It's... uh. No, I don't remember. One. Zola. Zola. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Toby Jones. I yes. love Toby Jones. Yes. I much more remember him. Mm-hmm. I think partly it could be because he's also... He he's sh- in Winter. shows up a little bit more in yeah, some of the other soldier. movies. Yeah. But he, I think, was much more memorable and much more realistic as, like, the doctor behind all of the super soldier and mm-hmm. Hydra... Hydra. All of that stuff. So that's another thing. We get Hydra in this we movie. We get Hydra. I fucking love Hydra. Hydra's great. I wish there was more to it. I, I think we do get a lot of Hydra later on, especially yeah. in the Captain Marvel movies. I think it'd be I interesting s- if there was like some sort of Hydra movie. If yeah. Maybe doing like the subsets of all the other characters and like things like that. Like I would be interested in some sort of like, like the Hydra side of this movie, basically. Mm-hmm. Or, like, even, like, an inter, you know, Hydra, as we later find out, has permeated every facet of every, like, government entity, et cetera, et cetera, in every country, whatever. Yeah. Sort including of like, S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. Like, sort of, like, how it goes from here, like, how it gets set up, how it goes from here to, like, what it is in, like, the modern movies. I think that would be a great Disney Plus show. Yeah. It may even already be one. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, not out but like in the pipeline uh which only leaves one other character um that we haven't talked about which is tommy lee jones 
as a, a colonel in the army. Do you remember him at all? No, actually, I remember going back through the cast list and seeing him being like, who, he was in this movie? Yeah. Not at all? Nope. Okay. Yeah. One thing I remember, I think, you know, I think all these movies kind of, they need to find some, they need to like quickly define these characters, right? Like we know they're good guys, but give us what makes them a good guy, right? So Iron Man, I think they're not, they're, they're a little shaky on that. Because it takes them a long time to get to, oh, I want to save the people I've been killing. Mm-hmm. Or been leading to be killed. There's a scene in this where Tommy Lee Jones pulls up in his like Humvee thing. Like somebody's driving around. And he's talking to Stanley Tucci's character. And they're like, we need to find the perfect specimen for our test. And they're like looking at uh, Chris Evans and his band of people around him. And... You know, he, he just, there's this, like, moment, and he, like, looks at Chris Evans, and he's like, what is this guy gonna do? Like, <laughs> who, who does this guy think he is? He's like, nothing. And Stanley Tucci's like, no, 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 like, oh, there's a thing, I can, I, you can, I can use the, I think there's a lot of potential here, and I think Haley Atwell's near them, too, but Tommy Jones grabs a grenade and throws it into the midst of the group of guys. Oh, yes, I do remember this part. And they all scatter... Except for Chris Evans, the tiniest guy out there who throws himself on the grenade and yes. he's like tells everybody to run away. Yes. It is the best moment, best defining moment of this character whatsoever. Yes. More so in my opinion than like I can do this all day, which is very iconic, but nothing beats describing this character then. He threw himself on the grenade. Yeah. And everyone else ran away. Yeah. I think it's so great. Yes. That's very very Captain America. Very Captain America. He will do what needs to be done at whatever cost needs to happen. Yes. So, we get to the end of this movie. Yep. We defeat the Red Skull. Pow! Pow-pow. Just like he does to all those fake Hitlers on his <laughs> merry travels. Yes. And he ends up with a nuke, I think. Something to that effect. Yeah, Some sort cause... of atomic weapon yeah because bucky is the one who falls off the train yep in the arctic russian are they in like siberia or something i don't know where they're somewhere uh, cold he falls into this yeah. like pit of despair in the snow yes so he bucky gone. he's gone believed to be dead yeah so because captain america defeats the he he the red skull their weapon the hydra weapon Whatever it was, whatever it was going to be, it's going to kill all the people, yep. you, and he can't stop it. So mm-hmm. he, it's on a plane already. So he jumps in the jet and like flies away. Yes. And then he's like on the radio with Peggy, with yeah. Peggy, and he's like sad. Yeah. And um, he flies into yes ice, frozen. Yes. I I I believe the end credits of that movie is him waking up. In New York? That is, yes, that is the end of the movie. Is he yeah. wakes up. Because I remember when well, I was reading all the summaries. So, yeah. So, yeah. he, him and Peggy talk about how he owes her a dance or she owes him one or whatever. And they're mm. going to they're gonna meet up at the place they're going to meet up at. And then he flies into, that's the ocean, the Arctic Sea. Something like that. Wherever he flies into. Yep. So, he wakes up in the hospital. There's a, the radio is on. He's sort of, they have it, not taped off, but sort of like stuff up 
and the little room he's in has sort of like 40s yeah table and furniture and stuff like that it has the radio on there's a baseball game on i remember if it was oh, a yankees I game that. yeah I so he's this. he's sort of like trying to figure out what's going on and he's listening to the baseball game and he's smart enough to realize like he went missing i think it was supposed to be like 1940 and the, the game, game on the radio like, is one that he went to in like 1941 or whatever yeah the game took place before he crashed yeah so something something is off in the timeline and he sort of throws back the curtains mm-hmm. or whatever because you can hear i think like street noises yeah outside and he throws back the curtains to like new york city basically now yeah a it's a great it's a great transition yes i do i liked that a lot yeah yeah lost in new york city and uh, that will bring us to the Avengers. Dun, dun, dun. So one thing yep. for as like iconic as like, oh, it's the Avengers, everybody's together. Yes. I remember nothing about this movie. When it came out? Like, no, like mean? from when we watched it. Oh. To like now when I was trying to do the summary. <laughs> oh. Yeah. The, nothing. This did not stick with me. It. I remember the sort of like the famous scene of like the six of them or whatever in the circle sure that's all i remember (laughs) so i will say like having you know watching it as it came out and i was excited for it not as excited as i was for like infinity war and endgame you know build up as it as it went along but it was just you know it's this Thing that they've been building to we've known it was coming you know from however early it was announced to when we got the first whenever the first trailers came out and you know tickets went on sale and all that every, every little step along the way and i remember feeling loving this movie so much i thought it was just like the greatest thing ever i think when i first rated it on my spreadsheet it got like a high a mid 90s score for mm. me it was so high um, it is no longer that high, but it was, it was just a, a I, I loved it. And, and even though at the time, I think I even knew like, oh, well, you know, it's this problem, this problem, this problem. It's just like the, the fact that they were able to pull it off, make a cohesive movie with the stars of five other movies and introduce additional characters and make a threat that felt genuine and and do this and it looks amazing and it, it, it has moments for each of these characters and it has this the, 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 the. somehow it's a movie that should not work and I think that's only magnified when you get to each subsequent Avengers movie it's like okay they found lightning in a bottle how are they ever going to do that again and arguably they didn't with Age of Ultron, but in Infinity War and Endgame, liking or, liking or disliking those movies as much as you may, may, they absolutely capture, it's an Avengers movie. It is a mm-hmm. huge event. Every character gets something. Mm-hmm. And it just, it was monumental. Yes. That said, I absolutely agree. There are a lot of elements of this movie that, in hindsight, I no longer like, well, but why? Yeah. I think when we were first watching it, I think I remember I was excited for all the characters to sort of like right. all end up all in one spot all at the same time. <laughs> like, that was nice. Yes. But 
Yeah, then after, then I guess in retrospect. Because that was one thing I noticed when I was going back through, is there was a lot of movies that, I think most movies when I see them, my immediate reaction is much more, yay! Or like, much more forgiving, perhaps, mm -hmm. when I first see it. I'll be like, oh, this was fine. And then when I actually like think about it, and like think about other movies I've seen, I'm like, eh, was it wasn't that good. Mm -hmm. So I think this was another one that I was very like, oh, yeah, that was good. We watched it, and then as I was going back through, I'm like, I don't remember anything. I think it was okay. Yeah, this one didn't stick with me as much of the as much as the other movies. Mm -hmm. Though I'm also, as you'll see, kind of I as the movies went along, I felt like they got stronger. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I think when you look at these early movies, and like they're still. Like, Thor in this is still has his dramatic side to him to a mm -hmm. degree. You know, like, it starts to lessen a little bit. But because so much of this movie involves Thor and Loki, and there's such a big part of it, which I, I think is a good idea because he's the most removed of them. Mm -hmm. So making him a bigger central role is smart. It does... I, I think it, it causes the film to struggle to find the perfect tone every once in a while mm -hmm. you know every, when 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 it is like there's that scene when they have the scepter on the carrier helicarrier mm -hmm. where it's like set like everybody's in the room yelling at each other dissenting and, and like just like calling each other names and like ah blah, 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 yelling like i think there's really good stuff there i like that in exchange i think that does a good job of like oh well why would you expect these guys to just be best friends, right? Yeah. Like, they're not going to be best friends. They have very different ideas. This guy was in ice for 70 years. <laughs> this guy, you know, is a multi-trillionaire. This guy's from a different planet. This guy, <laughs> you know, turns into the Hulk if he gets too angry. You know, there's all these different aspects. And I think Whedon, to his credit, did a really good job of finding a way, when he could, to put these people in a room together and for it to seem realistic when they all came from these very different movies and it doesn't always work and i think over time i've kind of had a more critical eye when it doesn't mm -hmm. but i do think there's still a lot there that does work yes for me and i think because i didn't pay any any attention to who <laughs> wrote or directed or anything with any of the movies mm -hmm. so when i saw it was joss whedon i was a huge buffy fan loved Buffy. So when I saw it was him, I was like, oh! <laughs> I feel like that kind of makes sense now. I feel mm -hmm. like a lot of the tone, I guess, of this could also kind of be seen in kind of like the tone, I feel like, of Buffy. Sure. Which makes sense. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, what do you think? So, so new characters. So we get Mark Ruffalo as the Hulk. Yep. Which we're both positive on. Upgrade. Big upgrade. Big upgrade. Um, I was very... I remember when I learned that that was going to happen, I was like, oh no. <laughs> oh no, no. That is terrible. And I didn't, Not that I really wanted Norton to continue to play the Hulk, but I was like, Mark Ruffalo? I thought that was a terrible decision. <laughs> and I since recant every thought I had that he's a bad Hulk. I think he's a great Hulk. Yes. Um... We get uh, more Black Widow. Yes. As, as like... As Black Widow. As a real Black Widow, which yeah. is great. 
we get Jeremy Renner as Hawkeye. Yeah. I like... I think it's kind of the same with the Hulk. I like Mark Ruffalo a lot. Mm-hmm. And I like Jeremy Renner in these movies a lot. Okay. Though I feel like Hawkeye is sort of... He's not as inspiring as the other characters. He's like, I'm good at archery. Yeah. Sign me up. It just... I feel like I, we get some of his backstory later a little on. bit in the yeah. later movies, but here he's just so I'm less sure like, where, where, where did this guy come from? I will say, I think, taken on his merits, he serves very little purpose. I think anything he can do from an agent spy perspective, Natasha does better. Mm-hmm. Anything he can do from an offensive perspective, almost everyone else can do better. Yes. His functionality is very, very small. Yes. In a grand scale type of way. That said, I think what would have worked better is if Natasha doesn't have a family. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, Bruce, the Hulk, does not have a family. Tony has Pepper mm-hmm. and later has a family. But especially in this po- at this point, like, Thor doesn't have a family. All these people are, are so detached. Uh, Steve Rogers is far removed from everything he's ever known. And so I think if they had wanted, and maybe this was the goal and it just didn't work out that way, but if Hawkeye was supposed to be the tether to, like, the average person, that could have worked. I think there's room there, especially once we get to meet his family later on. I think they could have pulled that off more. I don't think they do it there. No. And that course, sort of, I was going to say, Hawkeye almost, I don't know if he provides more humanity to the other characters, but he almost gives them a bit more, I guess, character development. Because there's, like, the friendship between Hawkeye and Black Widow. Yes. That you see, I think it come. Does it come up in this one? It does. It comes up a little bit in this one. The pro, the other problem is like he spends so much of the movie being controlled by Loki. Right. So for like, which yeah, is frustrating. Half the movie or whatever, he's just sort of trying to shoot the Avengers yeah. with his arrows. And he has even less personality than yeah. he normally does. So somehow. in this particular movie, he's not useful. Hmm. Really, I like him. Like I said, I like Jeremy Brenner mm-hmm. in the other movies. Yes. Quite a bit. I, I mean, he is fine here. It's just his character is sort of... Underwhelming. Not an afterthought, but kind of. Yeah. He's uh, like a half-bad guy who sort of ends up as a good guy later. But like you said, he can't doesn't really do anything that any of the other good guys couldn't do by themselves. Right. Um, we get more Coulson. Yep. He gets a huge role in this movie. Yes. Big, probably one of the reasons... I think this... The Coulson part of this movie ties it together for me. Mm-hmm. He gets he gets to use the giant gun that he wanted to use. <laughs> yes. Like, oh, that's what it does. But also he gets killed by Loki. Yes. I used air quotes when I said killed because he's not dead um, in the show. Or if they bring him back to life. <laughs> but. Because I was going to say, because again, this was sort of like we're watching them kind of. Not out of order, but sort of when we're watching it. I forgot that he died in this movie. Yeah. Because he. Sh- shows up again he's, yeah he's like all over the tv show yeah um which is fine and like we never hear from him again in this franchise in the movies well in 
moving f- forward in time from this point, yes. we'd never see him again in the movies. Right. I don't believe we've ever we ever get reference that he's still alive. I don't think so. And so, but so when he dies, and crass as it may be, but Fury uses that as a like galvanizing moment for the Avengers, like. It really worked for me. It hits yeah, it so hits hard. Because you figure there hasn't really been really any consequences of yeah, much of it, anything it that's finally happened Finally, put stakes in the movie yeah, in like, the franchise for like, the first time. Like Bucky fell off the train, which was too bad, but he wasn't that important at the time. No, so it was kind of a bummer, but not a big deal. This is the first time where I'm like, wait oh, a minute, shit. why did he die? That's not fair. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, it really feels like when he, like, for dramatic effect, like, shows everybody, like, the bloody, like, playing cards that have, like, Captain America on them and stuff yeah. like that. Like, for effect. And I, I like, it seems really egregious when he does it. So I like that they explain that as, like, Fury being Fury, kind of. Um, but, like, man, it, it affects them. Mm-hmm. Like, because, like, he's that guy. He's been there. Tony's known him for a while now. Mm-hmm. Everybody's, you know, Thor yeah. knows him. Yeah, he's popped he's up. Familiar. He was in yeah, Thor. Because he, was, he Thor. was the one hanging out that had sort of put up the he's big worked, tent around the hammer. He worked with Fury, which means he worked with Hawkeye, which means he worked with Natasha. There's a lot of tethers to him. And so it, it ends up being this very impactful death. Mm-hmm. And it brings the avengers together yes it is their beating heart (laughs) in a sense um so i really like colson i really like colson being here yes i enjoyed colson also we get another agent oh maria hill robin to me (laughs) kobe smolders yeah or robin from how i met your mother the robin yeah robin yeah yeah She's great. I She's lo- another one I was familiar with. Yep. Love How I Met Your Mother. So I Big was fan. familiar with that and her before I watched this. So as soon as she appeared, I'm like, Robin! Yes. Yes. I, I, I'm, I wish she had more to do in the franchise. She, kind of, she always feels a little in the background. Yeah, she's like Fury's right-hand woman, but she doesn't really do a, a ton. I think her... The reason she's in this, to me, is to step into Coulson's role when he dies. Yeah. Which is fine. and I But I do like, like, one of the first scenes we see her in is when Loki appears and he takes control of Clint for the mm-hmm. first time. And we get to see Maria, like, do some shit. Like, shoot some people, escape, yada, yada, yada. So I like that, like, the first time we see her, she's in action. Yes. She is more than capable Yes. She's just as useful to the team as Hawkeye. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I like that her character is pretty much all business. Mm-hmm. Every time we see her, she's not really, like, goofing around or doing anything. She's just very, yeah. like, this is the thing we need to do. We need to do this thing. We yes. need to do it this way. This is the stuff we know. Do your thing. Go go, uh, go out into the world. Yes. Um, and then more to that, we really get our first true experience of fury in this movie yes who He's... we've mentioned but we haven't really talked about samuel L. jackson yet no he he pops up in the previous films to like the avengers initiative 
Yeah. You in on the Avengers Initiative? You you smelling what I'm? And <laughs> what, what was that again? <laughs> I don't know, but uh, he's a fully fledged character now. Yes. He's not just a face, mm-hmm. and I think Samuel Jackson perfect for this role. Yes. Like. Excellent job. Yeah, he's great. Got the eye patch. You know, he's 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 the type of person he's you can tell he's just gonna be like, I don't have time for your shit, I don't find care what you're doing. But he also is like he could he could be sassy. Yeah. Yeah. He's got a lot of sass in him. He's very sassy. Mm-hmm. Which I think is good. He makes he makes what could be a very boring and like kind of one dimensional character much more interesting. Yes. And I think giving him that sass allows him to like banter, especially with Tony. Who's mm-hmm. kind of the de facto number two underneath yeah. him at this point? It's almost like Odin with Thor and Loki. Like you need someone who you feel like the other characters are going to listen to, and there's mm-hmm. not a lot of people you think like Tony Stark's gonna listen to this person, right? Like some of the other people probably. Like yeah. you have to have someone who can corral Tony, who can corral Thor again. Yeah. Besides his dad, and like Captain America's pretty legit he's probably gonna do what you tell him to like some of the other natasha could go back and forth the hulk when he's not being the hulk you know but you like you need a a strong character to sort of especially all of these superheroes with all their (laughs) distinct personalities very strong personalities Mm -hmm. very strong idea of what they want to do someone who can bring them all together and sort of overpower their whole like individual dynamics and make them kind of come together comprehensively yes and garner that sort of respect from all of them as someone who's not a superhero yeah as far as we he just seems like just a regular dude who runs this superhero operation yeah which is and it's interesting because i think most of the movie a lot of those characters spend it trying to undermine him yeah tony hacks the helicarrier he hacks into shield's data right um every you know thor is constantly going off and doing his own thing because he feels like it's his brother it's his responsibility yeah you know and and so each you know loki part of loki's plan and he's the villain and we'll get to him in a minute is to kind of cause everything to fall apart from the inside like his goal was to get hulk angry and turn him into the hulk and he succeeds and it slowly breaks things up down and, and and separates everybody because they are so unique, they are so individual, these characters and these heroes, that you know, future you know, when you get to civil war, like it, it's believable that Tony and Steve are on opposite sides of a lot of issues. You know, they both want to save the world and protect it, but they have very different ideas of what that means. And it's the first kernels of that are here. And that indirectly involves Fury. He's slight, you know, he, he shares some things with Tony, he shares some things with Steve, but they're all slightly different pages than each other. And so I think when we do get to that Coulson scene and uh, get that, man, this is, finally there's like a, the other shoe drops when Coulson dies. I think they all kind of realize, okay, we can't do this on our own. And if we're all going to be together, I think we can all agree to be together for him. 
and they kind of do that and then that kind of carries its way through the rest of the movies so loki loki so he's the big kind of the big bad of this movie yes we later find out that there's more to it than that but as far as we're aware it's mostly just loki and his band of aliens yeah he's gonna be in charge of earth Sure. So he thinks. That's what he thinks. That's what he thinks. He's got his handy little scepter. Yeah. Let's him take I control. I sort of forgot people. about the scepter that he just stabs people with it. Mindstone. Mind stabs them with it. Yeah. Yeah. He takes over Hawkeye. Yep. Takes over Stellan Skarsgård. Yep. And tries to take over Iron Man and can't. Yeah. I think at one point. Um, I think that's it from this movie, but, uh. How do you feel about him ele- being elevated from kind of just... Not a villain. He's not a villain in Thor. He's an antagonist more yeah. than that. He's a villain in this movie. Yeah. He is the guy you have to stop. Yes. And I... I, I like... It's so interesting because like when we see him in Thor... When you look at him compared to Thor... He's kind of nothing. He's very weak physically compared yes. to Thor. But when you... What I think this movie does a good job of is he's not weak compared to, say, Captain America and Iron Man mm-hmm. physically. Yes. He's still a demigod. Right. And so he can go toe-to-toe with Captain America's super serum. Yeah. He's not a giant god with a hammer, but he's mm. he can do tricks and stuff that... I mean, everybody else really is just, like, hyped-up humans. Right. With, in various degrees of armor and super serums and mm-hmm. ninja spy skills they're <laughs> yes. still just normal people whereas he can shapeshift and do you know mind control and all the stuff so mm. much more threatening to a human than you know than he would than he is up in asgard asgard yeah. yes yeah so i i think but that said, on his own, against the Avengers, he's really not much of a threat. I mean, one on one, there's a couple of people he could he's definitely more powerful than. Yes. But as a whole, even when they're not really the Avengers, yeah. he's not that threatening. Yeah. In a straight up physical fight, he's not probably not gonna beat most of them. Yeah. He's not gonna beat Hulk. No. He's not gonna beat Thor. He's not going to be Tony in a suit. Probably not. Probably not going to be Chris Evans. But he he can he can hold his own against a couple of them. Yeah. So there's more to it than that, and that is where all the alien things come into play, which is I don't think it's the first time a movie has had like Skybeam, faceless minions. Many movies have done it before and after uh and uh it was as pointless then as it is now (laughs) you know there's no stakes when it's all these worthless faceless people yeah and so as much as it feels like they're overrunning new york and like the civilians are in danger we don't see that really no we only see it through the hero's lens right in that part of the movie So, and then even, so, uh, so I think the, the, a lot of the, 
stakes, if that's what you want to call them, are caused by Earth when they shoot a nuke at <laughs> New York City to stop the alien invasion. Right. They're smart. Yeah. Are they? Mm. Yeah. Um, and then don't they blame all the Avengers, basically, for all this stuff that's happened? Which, granted, them demolishing half the city is their own fault. But, like, also, you were just about to bomb it yeah. out of existence, like, two minutes ago. Like, yeah, it's... And when it comes up in Civil War again, like, obviously they saved the world. Mm-hmm. For sure. Undeniable. But what they left us with is a half-destroyed New York City. <laughs> yes. Which is not optimal. No. And I know. I think there are other movies that show much worse from the Avengers as far as, like, the collateral damage side of things because the Avengers, they didn't cause Loki to come here. Yeah. It's more of... If anything, I feel... And I don't know, I think it was... I don't remember the motivations that led to Loki arriving on Earth other than the Tesseract, I guess. Yeah. Didn't he just want to be in charge of something? Yeah. Because I know they needed the Tesseract. He finds that when he arrives. Because that was what was buried in the ice with Steve. Yeah. They resurrected it. It's with S.H.I.E.L.D. now. He steals it. Right. But, like, once you... I feel like... It looks great. It looks cool. Mm -hmm. But as soon as you start to, like, peel it away, (laughs) a lot of things fall apart in in the Avengers movie. So I did like... So one of the things that I mentioned that I was not a fond of in the Iron Man movies, I think I like having, like, a defined, specific villain that Mm -hmm. is more integral to the story... And the arc as a whole. So, like, from that point, I cared more that about Loki being the villain. Right. Than in Iron Man, where it was just, like, terrorists. <laughs> this random guy helping the terrorists. Like, I don't care about any of those people. Like, mm-hmm. it just, that's much more generic, just, like, dad movie bullshit to me. Like, I don't care about that. Yeah. Whereas, for, like, this, even though, I guess, the motivations of Loki... And sort of the, I don't know, the contrast between the good and the bad is maybe not super great, I guess, compared to some of the later movies or some other things. Mm -hmm. I like more that it is almost like a self-contained world than like they're trying to bring in more real world issues of like... Tony Stark is a weapons manufacturer who gives, and he's like, oh, this wasn't who I was supposed to be giving my weapons to. Oopsies. Right. Like, that's not what I need from these movies. <laughs> so, in that aspect, I I don't mind Loki as the quote-unquote bad guy Yeah. for this one. I think he does, he has that, like, magnetism. Mm-hmm. He's very charismatic, Tom Hiddleston. Uh, he's a great choice to play this part. And while he's not, as we've said, like physically on the level of the Avengers, I think he commands the screen yes, as well as they do. Yes. I think that theatricality lends itself to being a very good villain in an Avengers movie. So, Tramer, what movie was it where he's like locked up in jail? 
And he's just sort of sitting there in the background, like, playing catch with stuff in his cell. I believe that's the second Thor movie. Is it the second one? Yeah. Yeah, so we haven't gotten to that yet, but it's just, like, just something like that. Him, I remember him doing that. Just something very boring and generic of just, like, Loki just sitting there, like... Screwing around in the background. Yep. Biding his time. He's kind of yep. bored. Yep. He sort of, he's more, yes, captivating, I suppose, whatever he's doing. And, you know, brings me more into the story than some of the other people. True. I agree. Um, anything else for the Avengers before we move on? Um, the one thing I did remember is that's the scene where... Tony and Cap are trying to fix the plane engine, or the... Yes, the the spinny thingy. Yes, I like that scene a lot. That was one of the only things I remembered about the movie. Can you explain that more? Um, I'm trying to remember. They're trying the... An engine is stuck, so they're both physically trying to right. spin the engine part. Tony is in the blades. Yes. Rocket boosting himself around. Yes, well, somebody else is trying to fix whatever the problem is. And I don't know why, it's just the whole dynamic between, like, him and Cap are, like, yelling at each other. They're trying to fix this plane engine. Mm-hmm. They're freaking out, yelling at each other. I think it's just very... Well, it's... I don't know what it was about the... I think it's just the dynamic of the two characters together. Because Tony ultimately is spinning it as fast as he possibly can mm-hmm. to the point where it spins faster than he can. Yeah. He can fly. And he needs Cap to shut the thing off mm-hmm. or do something so that he can get out of it. Right. And I remember the whole time he's like, Cap, I need you to do X, Y, Z. And Cap's like, I don't know what any of those words mean, basically. <laughs> yeah. Like, he doesn't have any clue because not only is he not tech savvy, he's been out of the world for like 70 years. Yeah. What is a wire? Yeah. Go shut <laughs> the know? computer off. What are you talking about? <laughs> What's a computer? <laughs> Meanwhile, he's, like, fighting off, like, a handful of people as well. Yeah, yeah. So. A little busy. It's a good, it's a good moment. Yeah. Whedon just does a great job of, like, that banter and. Yes. He, he really had a knack for that. Yes. Good at the banter. Good at the banter. Ready to move on? No? Time out. Okay. Yeah. Because this is what, that's the end of phase one, isn't it? It is. This could be a good pausing point. For a moment. So we want to... So it's been about two hours. Yeah. We can clip it here. Yeah. Return to do a part two. That might be a good idea because we've gotten through out of 23 movies. One, two, three, four, five, six. Yes. So there's 17 more. It's been two hours. Sure has. Sure has. It's great. Yeah. So it might be... This might be something that we do in pieces. I mean, it's going to have to be. Yeah. We knew it was going to be really long. Yes. Got a whole week of megasodes. And that's not even including after the talking about the movies. There's so much more to talk about. Yeah. So So then we're going to argue about, like, what do you mean you have this movie over here? This movie (laughs) is so good. You're an idiot. And then I was thinking, when we finally move past that, we can look (laughs) at the future. Yes, that's what I thought we could do. Yeah. The announced films and... TV series and such. Yeah. There's so much. There's a lot. This is a huge undertaking. Yeah. But uh, we put a chink in the armor, I <laughs> guess. Small dent. Small dent. Tiny. The size of me backing into something. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, okay. We're going to cut this episode here. Yep. 
thank you for listening. Um, we both yeah. appreciate it. Yeah. And uh, we hope you'll come back for part two. How could you not? Yeah. I haven't even gotten the good stuff yet. Yeah. Really. It is 11 p.m. Yeah. as of recording this right now. Mm-hmm. So we're actually not going to keep recording tonight. No. We have this to... is like a literal timeout. For <laughs> yeah, a we, while. we can't. This isn't a. We want to make more episodes. Spread out the release schedule. Um, so we don't know when we'll record next. Nope. Tomorrow we are busy. Perhaps it's a Tuesday. So. Thursday. Maybe a Thursday. Maybe we can get to it. We'll see. Yeah. Um, Saturday there's no sports ball on. Yeah. Get into a chunk All, of it on Saturday. Yeah. College football is over. Yep. But there is NFL. That's on Sunday. That's on Sunday. Yeah. There's no NASCAR just yet. Nope. No Zoomies. Nope. So we will get to it when we get to it. Yeah. And um, we'll see how many <laughs> how many episodes. How and many how, episodes this requires. How long this ultimately takes. Yeah. At this pace. And like these are the early movies. And I feel like they get more intricate and intertwined with each other as we go along. Yeah. Um, but if we do three more episodes yeah. to finish the films, yep. then another one, that could be, this could be a five part like mini series. Yeah. You do this three is... episodes a week. Perhaps we can stretch into six. Two week takeover. Get excited. I'm not excited. <laughs> I, Rude. <laughs> I would rather... Because, like, I'll release this for the for Patreon people, which is two people. It's me. you. It's me. And a friend of mine <laughs> that worked with me at Target, who may or may not listen to the show anymore, because I haven't <laughs> talked to him forever. They will have a, He will have access to it, like, tomorrow. Yeah. Hint, hint, if you sign up for the Patreon, you can get early access to all of this all this delight wonderful um so i don't know when this actually gets released on the show yeah i had not intended it to be sequential Mm. like because there's so much else i gotta do i gotta record so many other episodes do you yes the people want meg they will get so much of you. <laughs> they will get they are sick get of me. Absolutely. All of you. So even to that, you know, helps break it up a little. Helps break it up a little. Yeah. So even if they're not super into it, if they're not, so if they're not super into it, they have alternatives. Yes. But if they are, if they get there's going to be so much, like, you know. If they get sick of my Muppet voice, they can just listen to your uh, angelic tones. Angelic. Um, so cool. Thank you again for listening. Yes, thank you. Uh, you can find... Me, on Twitter, at Circle of Film. Letterboxd, Circle of Film. You can email circleoffilm at gmail.com. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, plays where podcasts can be found. There's also a website, circleoffilm.com. Do you want to uh, find you somewhere? If they want to stalk me on Twitter, it's mostly me retweeting other people's snarky comments. But uh, I'm at algofaroz. A-L-G-O-F-E-R-O-Z. You can find me there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you want to plug anything? Any movies you saw recently that aren't Marvel movies that you really liked you think people should go see? Um, since it's around awards time, uh, I really liked... I don't know how many people have seen it. Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Good movie. Check that out. If you have not seen... I don't know how you, at this point, you haven't seen Little Women, but you should. 
Um, if you did not see Jojo Rabbit, that I think is my favorite movie of the year. So high praise, high praise. Yeah, yeah. I'm a woman of high high standards. Yes. Exquisite taste. So mm-hmm. you should just listen to whatever I say. Yes. And I say you should go watch those three movies. Okay. And um, if you'd like to support the show, like it, rate it, review it, subscribe to it, tell somebody about it, or just listen. That is the most important thing. But if you are so inclined, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash circle of film, where for as little as eight cents an episode, you can have early access to all the stuff that comes out early, including this. Right now, you could have already been listening to this yesterday. Mm-hmm. Or yesterday. So, thank you, and as always, have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same goodnight. I know she'll never leave me, even as she fades from view. So long, farewell, I'll be the same adieu. Nothing's really left or lost without a trace. Nothing's gone forever, only out of place. So long, farewell, oh, what I'll be to say. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So long.